Yeah. So for me, you know, it's about starting, right? You have to start somewhere. Even if you start with five or 10 acres or 20 acres or whatever that number is, right? Start with something you're comfortable with. Global shortages are causing farm input costs to skyrocket. A better way to farm shows you how to take control of inputs and maximize profits so you can farm the way you want. Now, from America's heartland, here's your host. We want to say a special thanks to each of you who have taken the time to review the podcast. And each week, we feature one of those reviews. Today's review comes from Kaheko Ag. I've known Rod and Karen and the rest of the team for years now, and the knowledge and insight they bring into growers' fields is one of honesty, integrity, and compassion for helping growers achieve more. A great listen. Thank you, Kaheko Ag. We really appreciate you. Hey everyone, Tyler here, field agronomist with A Better Way to Farm, where we spend each and every day providing solutions to farmers to grow better crops and to make more money. I hope that you're having a great day and we thank you for tuning into our podcast. We appreciate the time you give us not only here on this platform, but also on our Facebook page. You know, one issue that some of our growers face almost every year is an obstacle that can be managed around to a point. Drought can affect different areas across the United States, but with proper nutrition, they can be managed through and hopefully to the point where you can catch some moisture when it finally does rain. Now, in the coming episodes, we sit down with a few of our growers that we work with that have successfully managed through some of this drought, and we hope that you enjoy their stories. Today, we've invited a grower from Southwest Iowa on to share his story about how he managed through the drought. So let's welcome Jason to the conversation. Thanks for taking time out of building your stock car to chat with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So let's just dive right into it, Jason. Why don't you go ahead and just kind of tell us a little bit about who you are, kind of where you're from and what you farm. Uh, yeah, I do a, a 50-50 crop rotation soybean corn farm here at our family farmstead here outside of Hancock, Iowa. Li- live in the southwest corner of the, the state of Iowa and been doing it now. To, took it over farming my mom's place here about nine years ago. So this will be my ninth year of planting crops in the ground and looking forward to it another successful year this year. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why we had you on, you know, when we were kind of talking about growers that had to manage through some of this stuff, you know, your name was brought up, you know, and and like we talked about before we hit the record button that you have been doing this for nine years, but you do a lot of testing and you didn't just jump in whole hog. You're making sure that you're doing things the right way and doing things that actually work. So I always ask, especially with these episodes, with the drought conditions that you experienced this year, can you kind of give us some insight into kind of the moisture you had at planting and then, and then you know, kind of how that moisture progressed throughout the year? I know that you're in a little different spot than some of the other guys that we've talked to. Yeah, subsoil moisture was not super dry when we got seeds into the ground this year, but it wasn't in abundance either. So we started out kind of in the middle and yep. then after planting, got pretty dry on us for the beginning months, you know, late May, June, and then we picked up, July especially was really dry, and then got into August and picked up a little bit more moisture. So, you know, obviously not perfect conditions throughout the year. It never is, but uh, tried to maximize what we could as things got going and and seeds started popping out of the ground. So, you know, that's one of the things we've done a lot of R&D on as far as starter fertilizer, micronutrients, those type of things trying to figure out what works, what doesn't. Mm-hmm. And over the 
previous eight years, we've done a lot of side-by-side testing on my farm and uh, figured out what works for us and uh, try to maximize those yields moving forward. So, Well, and I think that's vital in 2022, especially when you look at input prices, whether you're going to pay high input prices for some of this stuff, or uh, I was just talking with a grower today out of Ohio that he's concerned about getting herbicides. He's talking to this herbicide guy and he's like, well, we're going to do the same program. And they say, no, we're not going to do that because we can't get the product. So they're trying to piece together yeah. the stuff that they can get. So and hopefully uh, you haven't ran into any supply chain issues with your current employer or anything with your race cars or anything like that, have you? You know, the supply chain is just a big mess right now. So if you can <laughs> try to lock in as much as you can and make sure people have product for you, that's pretty vital at this point, no matter what industry you're working with. But in agriculture, you know, it's no different than anything else where you you got challenges and we try to overcome them the best we can. So try to prepay and try to, to lock in supply of products as, as early as you can. So mm-hmm. uh, hopefully things work out, you know, and uh, have everything we need at the time that we need it. And uh, that, that's about all we can do at this point. So Right. One of the things that I noticed, and we're only, granted, we don't work directly together. You work with a good friend of mine, Preston but we're really only about 40 or so miles apart. And, you know, one of the things that I noticed this year, kind of like you mentioned that we caught some of those timely rains, subsoil moisture at the beginning of planting was almost ideal. It was a little bit dry. And then as we went through the season, it started to to get kind of hot. I noticed that some of the corn around here started to roll up. The beans were kind of starting to turn silvery, but we'd kind of catch some of those rains. In the nine years that you've been doing this, and I'll and I'll mention this again just for those that are paying attention, that you've had to start this thing from scratch. So nine years ago, you said, you know what, my heart's in farming. I, I want to do this. I need to get this thing fired up. So in the last nine years, have you experienced conditions like you have experienced in 2021? You know, every year brings a different challenge, right? But there were a lot yep. of challenges last year, <laughs> you know, and, and go back to the start, right? So we've got to get that seedling the best start that we can get in. And and when I bought a planter, like you said, I started from scratch. So I bought a planter and my planter had liquid fertilizer in furrow on it with, with mm-hmm. heat and seed firmers. And, you know, I wanted to do some testing with that. And I started out real slow. I think the first year Preston and I did maybe 10 or 20 acres, I think is all we did. But sure. you could see a difference in emergence. You could see a difference in the color of the crop when it came out of the ground. You could see, you know, the health of that plant seemed to be much better on the stuff that we were doing our different micros with and in our starter applications. So each year I tried something different. We added a little bit more to it and kind of build upon what we started there. And now I'm pretty much doing my home place there, a hundred percent in furrow starter with micros. And then uh, I'm going to be farming, farming a little bit more this year. And we're going to do some more R and D on that farm and do about half of that farm, kind of like we did with what I'm doing today. So whether, yep. whether it's drought, whether it's too much moisture, you know, both, yep. both of those can cause stress on the plant by giving the right nutrients at the right time, um, as well as some other some other things there can be really helpful along the way. So one of the things that you brought up and again, I just kind of want to hit on is that you have kind of changed. It was nice that nine years ago you got a planter with infero fertility on it. But now on like your, your home farm and some of that stuff that you're not renting or doing any of that, you are, you know, kind of the full program. I know that I actually soil sampled for you a few years back. And that's part of the deal, right? When you look at that soil test, it kind of tells you exactly what you need for the ground that you've got. What really has changed, do you feel like, the last few years in regards to kind of your fertility program, or especially kind of this year, 
What did you notice or are some things that you thought, you know, I, I think that's working and helping me through those adverse conditions like drought or even like too much water, like you mentioned? Yeah, I think uh, you just brought it up, the soil sampling piece of this, the prescription, you know, that yourself and Preston and, and the rest of the team put together for us as growers is a big piece of, of trying to make sure we optimize what we're dealt, right? Whether that's whatever stress that is, whether that's uh, drought, whether that's too much moisture, whether it's too hot, you know, whatever <laughs> that might be, we just got to try and maximize what we can with the cards that we're dealt. I think the biggest key to this thing is making sure you've got the right product in the right place at the right time and sampling and testing and doing all those things. Try something that different each year. You know, that's what I try to do is try one or two things a year and try to do some side-by-side testing, even if it's only five or 10 acres that you're, you're testing with, at least try something, right? Yeah. And if you can pick up five or 10 bushels or more, which we've seen in some cases, you know, it, it's worth that little bit of extra effort to try and do those things throughout the growing season. Today's episode is brought to you by our new partnership with solar. We're saying goodbye to our electric bill. At the end of 2021, we made the decision to get solar panels. The solar company we have partnered with has made things so quick and seamless. They finished our installation on two of our projects within 24 hours. There are incredible tax benefits and no electric bill. That makes it a win-win. The company we're working with even financed the project at less than 2% interest with no money down. That makes our monthly payment $100 less than our electric bill was. You can get your free quote at www.abetterwaytofarm.com forward slash solar. Again, abetterwaytofarm.com forward slash solar. Yeah, you know, it was crazy. I'm trying, I can't quite remember, not, not that it really matters, but I was on a social media or something. I think it, I, honestly, I think it was TikTok. And there was a grower that mentioned about, like you just said, about trying stuff every year to try to figure out what works and what doesn't. And somebody said, oh, I was in regards to the Commodity Classic. The Commodity Classic just got over. I just don't understand those guys doing big yields. Like, what do you actually learn from? a 10 acre plot that's actually relatable to your whole farm. And to me, I'm sitting there like, you know, we work with even growers like yourself that are just trying to maximize the efficiency of the dollar that you spend or working with the Jerry Cox's of the world or some of the other yield champions, uh, the Brant Voss, we just did an interview with him and they're learning so much from those little plots. And to me, that's absolutely critical to figure that out. You know, I Kip Kohler's always told the story that if you can't afford to try something on, you know, five or 10 acres, then you're broke and you don't even know it yet. And I struggled. I wanted to type that in there on that social media page. And I thought, you know what? I just didn't feel right doing it. But in my mind, I'm thinking all these guys are like, yeah, I can't, I would never spend money on 10 acres and and try to do something. It's like, man, you guys aren't learning then. You guys are still stuck in the old way of doing things. And it's just not the way it works anymore. You've got to figure out And especially in 2022, you've got to figure out what works and how to manage through this stuff again, whether it's drought or maybe it's high input cost, right? So getting, that's kind of jumping off on a, on my soapbox, but getting off of that thing. So could you possibly say you were pleased with harvest then? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it it was a tough year, right? But uh, like you said, when we started talking, we had some timely rains in August that, that the beans kind of finish out and help, you know, with the corn maturing and things like that. But I will say at the beginning, you know, there's a lot of stressors and and I feel like 
a lot of the things that we tried and had done at the beginning helped our crop finish right and that's that's yep. what it's got to yep. do is finish also dried down nice so i know there were some drying issues at the end of last year too and it ended up drying down nice too so i'm going to dive a little deeper into that what do you think and and maybe you don't want to answer this but i I get that question a lot people say oh there's no way like amplify d uh we had a post on amplify d and they're like oh there's no way that that's going to help with dry down but i think you know the answer and and so i I want you to say it and, and hopefully you know where i'm going with this but kind of elaborate on that about using some of this stuff even early on and the benefits that you see at harvest time, maybe it's just dried out. Yeah. Amplify D is one of those products that we did a side-by-side test on. And now hundred percent of my corn acres, even <laughs> on the new farm that I'm going to be farming this year is getting hundred percent Amplify D. So I'm sold on that product. I'm not hundred percent sure that that's what solely responsible for dry down, but I'm sure that it helps. I think, you know, that the, uh, the health of that plant throughout the growing season probably all also helps, which goes into micros and all the other nutrients that we apply throughout the season. But uh, Amplify D absolutely um, is a product that I would recommend that everybody put on on every acre. I'm doing it. Um, and I'm not even <laughs> testing it this year. So, and I think that's great. We yeah, didn't even talk about that before we fired this thing up. So I love that that we're on the same page there. <laughs> yeah. And, and corn's coming out at 15% out of the bin right now. So, you know, I, I didn't have to do much drying at all last year, and it's coming out at 15% right now. So I can be happier with the moisture level of the corn yeah. this last year. So. Well, and that's the biggest thing that I, I think it's interesting, even looking back in my history as the agronomy sales specialist and now doing full-time consulting that you look at that and how important it is for your crop to actually just dry down naturally instead of die down. You know, Rod says that on a better way to farm, you know, whether it's a Facebook page or some of the podcasts, he says, you know, that's ultimately the goal, right? That we need it to dry down like you're talking about instead of dying down, which is absolutely critical. So I've got to ask Jason, are you getting some static uh, where you're at or, or what's, what's the, the story with the people uh, kind of around you. I, I don't know. Does, does anybody give you a hard time about some of the things that you're doing and trying, or has it been kind of well received in the area, or or what are your thoughts on that? Or you just don't care because it doesn't make you money to worry about what other people think. <laughs> well, I stopped worrying about what other pa- people think a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I get a hard time. You know, not everybody understands the liquid fertilizer side of it. Um, not a, everybody quite understands I- exactly what I'm doing, and uh, and that's okay. You know, yeah. I mean, everybody's got their own mindset. At the end of the day, I feel like what what I'm doing, what, what Preston and yourself have helped me uh, do along the way the last, you know, six, five, six years, uh, seven years now we've been working together is working, right? And, and mm-hmm. it's obvious. I mean, last year was another record year for, for me on both corn and soybeans. So uh, I couldn't be happier with the way things are going. And that's... Uh, as long as that trend continues, which I'm fully confident that it will, uh, yeah. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, right? And and it really yep. doesn't matter what what others think or or what kind of uh, feedback I'm getting. It uh, it's working. It's absolutely working. So I'll keep doing some more testing, and hopefully we can keep building upon what's going on and, and keep bringing those yields up and cut and overall all cost uh, down. You know that's what it's about is your ROI, right? It's not necessarily anything else ROI is what really matters, right? It's what, yeah. it's what cash goes in the bank at the end of the day. And not everybody understands that either. And that's what people really need to be focused on is, 
Yields are one thing. ROI is another. The ROI has got to make sense. Oh, Jason, I'm thrilled that you you said that. And, and again, I don't want to put you on the spot. Do you know what your cost of production? Do you know what it's went down by chance? Would you would you would you share that if you know it, or maybe a percentage, or, or maybe you don't know it? But I'm super glad that you brought that up because that's absolutely critical. That people you know are like, well, holy smokes! I literally just wrote up an order for a guy that needed thirty five dollars worth of boron. And he's like, man, 35 bucks of boron last year. That was my whole fertility program. And and I'm saying, look, (laughs) if you do this stuff, you're going to get that increased yield. But like you just said, it's about ROI and getting that ROI. Yeah. And I know exactly down to the penny what my info costs are (laughs) (laughs) and what my my margins are at the end of the day. Right. I mean, Preston gives me a hard time all the time. I carry these stacks of books around with me and, (laughs) and all these Excel spreadsheets that I'm trying to calculate ROI on. But I'm not really focused on what my total input costs are. Like I said before, I'm more focused on what my ROI is at the end of the day, because it may cost a, a few more dollars up front to gain a lot more on the back end. Yeah. And the back end yeah. is what I care about. Well, um, and there's, you know, not necessarily that this works in all cases, but, you know, honestly, there's some truth to the the saying that it takes money to make money. And, and I think it in what we do with a better way to farm, I think that's absolutely true because again, when you do the soil test, like you mentioned, you start out with that base, you look at that soil test and it, and it calls for seven pints of boron and you put on seven pints of boron. Yeah, you're going to increase your yield, but maybe you're saving on something else that you, you know, you're not over applying the P and the K because you're on a liquid program or, or whatever. There's kind of this give and the take, but ultimately you're increasing your ROI. And another thing that some of the old timers used to do would they try to save themselves into prosperity. And that's another saying that doesn't necessarily ring true, especially in the ag world, that you can't save yourself into prosperity. So I appreciate those comments. So I kind of feel like you're a little bit uh, excited about uh, 2022, kind of building healthier plants and uh, healthier soil. So what advice would you give to those growers that are kind of listening to this right now and saying, man, you know what? It's it's not necessarily like Jason said about increasing yield, but I've really got to watch my bottom line on this and, and make sure that, you know, I'm getting that ROI. What advice would you give to those growers that are asking those questions? Yeah. So for me, you know, it's about starting, right? You have to start somewhere. Even yep. if you start with five or 10 acres or 20 acres or whatever that number is, right? Start with something you're comfortable with and give it a try. Do a soil sample on 10 acres and use the prescription. Even if you don't use the whole prescription, put a portion of that out there and see what you get for a return. Again, back to the ROI portion. And then once you see the results yourself, then then you can make a decision on what to do next year. Start somewhere. You don't have to jump in uh, with everything right out of the chute, but uh, you have to start somewhere. So yep. that, that'd be my advice. That's what happened with me and uh, it's expanded. And now I know pretty much what I'm going to start with this year and where I'm going to head. So, and each year, again, this year, we'll be starting to add a few more things to the mix and, and see what kind of returns we get on those and, and probably expand going to next year. That's fantastic advice. I absolutely love that. And Jason, I just want to thank you so much for taking a quick few minutes to share with the listeners and thank you for working with us at A Better Way to Farm. And we're absolutely thrilled uh, that we're able to work together to increase the return on every acre, even in a year like 2021, where you had to kind of go through some droughty conditions. So I look forward to seeing you soon, maybe at a dirt track nearby. 
and uh, best of luck in the 2022 growing season. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. We hope that you enjoyed this episode on managing through the drought. We certainly ask that you please rate, obviously with five stars, review our content and drop a comment for us. We also ask that you follow A Better Way to Farm on Facebook and like and share that page with family, friends, really anyone that you know that might find value in what we do. And as always, we hope that you have a better day. A better way to farm.com. You're listening on the Verbal Crowd Network. Find more great shows at verbalcrowd.com.